welcome to the Polygon Show. I am not Simone, thank God. I'm Allegra. <laughs> I am your host today. Simone is in Montreal, which is uh, Bone, I think. Très Bone. That means very Bone. Bon? Bon? Bone? <laughs> it's Bone, guys. Okay. Très Bone. It's Bone. Bone. This is about as good as your German. <laughs> <laughs> My German is gut. Um, <laughs> with me today is usual snarky co-hosts over here, Chelsea Stark. Hello. Chelsea Snark, really. Wow. And we have a guest in Simone Stead, which is a friend of the show, Jenna Stever. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hello. Thanks Welcome for coming. A spooky episode. Thank you for welcoming us to our own show. Hey, that you're the hey guest welcome, of. you two. Wow. Thank you for having me. Is that better, Allegra? Yes, okay. it is better. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. No, <laughs> yes. I, I wanted her welcoming energy. I'm here for it. It's good, it. yes. Yeah. It's been a while. I don't remember the last time you were on. I think uh, it was because you were gone. <laughs> I think it was E3. Oh, I think during E3 we yeah. did one. I might be thinking of E3 last year, though. Time is an illusion and a flat true. circle I, I know i you know i did the best thing for audio today which is i drew <laughs> something with my finger in the air quietly mm-hmm. <laughs> uh i'm sorry everyone i'm on cold medicine yeah chelsea's <laughs> sick well contagious though i don't think i'm con- you don't think <laughs> or you know no, I don't know because it's a virus. Oh, God, I think binge. All right. we will know after being trapped in a room with her. This is I'm true. over here. I'll, you know, I'll just continue to scoot. I am deathly afraid, before I bring you back into the fold here, Chelsea, because we're going to throw to you in a second, but I'm deathly afraid of getting sick. Everyone what? is sick. I don't want to be sick. All the time. I'm always afraid. <laughs> I just no. don't want to be sick because it's not fun. And That's I don't want to do it. True. Being sick is not fun. Yeah. Some strong words. I mean, it, it's not fun, but I took Monday off and did some self-care by relaxing and mm. resting and That's... sleeping till 1230. Oh, well, I do that nice. anyway. You that, know. What? I slept for 12 hours on Sunday. I slept from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And then I went to the gym and then I came home and I went back to sleep. <laughs> and then I woke up at 10.30. I like that you snuck a gym visit in into that <laughs> yeah, in the middle schedule. of your naps. <laughs> yeah, and then I took another nap. Um, well, Chelsea, yes. I assume part of your self-care this week was playing some video games. Knowing you. It's true. Uh, what did you play? I played Link's Awakening, <gasps> which is... Oh my gosh. Uh, Link's Awakening remade for the Switch. I've never played the original. Oh. Jenna, have you played the original? Oh my God. I have replayed the original a lot. It was one of the first games I'd ever played as a kid. Wow. Yeah. That's so amazing. I, I, you know, I was at that age, and I think you were too, where my parents selected a lot of the video games with like <laughs> I played with a lot of my input, but I feel like I received a lot of like licensed games because of that, and I didn't get turned on to Zelda until Ocarina of Time. Hmm. My my sister had a Game Boy, and I think she was taking the my older sister was taking the lead on getting games because we had like we had like Final Fantasy, like we had legit hashtag gamer games. Oh wow, yeah. This was okay. So right, Link's Awakening was Game Boy. Mm-hmm. That was like the Zelda game for the original Game Boy. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so this is the Switch remake. So this is the Switch remake, and basically mostly what I've heard, beat for beat. Right, Jenna. Oh yeah. Yes, I'm, I haven't gotten very far into it because I started playing it and found I was rushing through it because I knew exactly where to go <laughs> and what to do. And so I, I was like going through it. So I was low key speed running it. And I was like, I don't want I want to like sit back and enjoy this new experience. Yeah. 
I've I've had the same kind of thing. This uh like where I like feel like I'm trying to really rush through this game and then I kind of did slow down because I was like, "Whoa, I'm like going very quickly because I enjoy it even mm-hmm. without having the knowledge." But also like if you've never played the original and you don't know the secrets, this game's actually kind of even for a Zelda game kind of hard. Oh, really? Oh. Well, I think that it doesn't like some of the puzzles mm-hmm. or finding stuff isn't as obvious, I'd say. Like it took me a while to find an animal village for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so going like going back, this is kind of interesting. This is basically like almost a direct sequel to the first Zelda. Mm-hmm. So Link just is floating out at sailing out at sea and washes up on an island. And this is like the same Link versus all the other Zelda games canonically are different Links through history. Oh right. So that's kind of an interesting like he's doing his own thing uh, and washes up on this island. He has to wake some creature called the wind fish by collecting a bunch of musical instruments found in uh, dungeons. Aw, that's so you- cute. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh my God, the whole game is so cute and wacky because it's so, it, it, it's like Nintendo really got weird and they, oh, yeah. they pull a lot of Nintendo other stuff in here. Like you, the, the, I mean, every Zelda has dungeons, but you have to, when you go like the little interstitial areas between floors are, full of Nintendo characters like baddies. There's what? Goombas and piranha plants and swamps. What? Really? Yeah. 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 And there's like a Yoshi doll that you can get from a crane game. And it's just like, oh my God. yeah, that's a Yoshi doll. My son really wants it. It's like, I feel like Nintendo, especially the Zelda games, doesn't really double dip like that very often. Yeah. They never double dip. And yet there's also, there's like, there's a chain chomp just as a dog outside of, someone's house really and the character is like my bow wow is so proud of his beautiful fur and i'm like dog (laughs) is ball i can't imagine this at all that is so funny i'm looking this up while you continue talking but wait so for the enemies in the dungeon can you fight them like can you fight mario enemies yeah and those are sometimes sometimes and they're only in those areas they're not in the whole dungeon the rest of the dungeon has normal zelda enemies like there's a hinox um, in one of the dungeons is a mini box that is a thing you fight in Breath of the Wild. And there are Moblins, which are also in Breath of the Wild. And like a lot of the classic Zelda enemies, some of them, like the the like-likes, which mm. those horrible things that suck up your shield and make that terrible noise. I hate them. That's like my <laughs> least favorite Zelda enemy. Oh, same. Hard same. Like why? Why is that a thing? <laughs> <gasps> wow. I'm looking, wait, so actually, um, Jenna, as someone who played the original, so I looked up the Chain Chomp um, to see it, and it's very, very cute, especially because this game is just so adorable anyway. And I'm seeing an article that actually says the Chain Chomp is in the original, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All of these things are in the original game. Yeah. This this was not. This isn't new for this game. No. These are all from the original game. In fact, I think these probably wouldn't be in the new game if they hadn't been. Like, I don't think this is a thing that Nintendo would innovate at this moment. But because they were in this original game before they'd really sort of firmed up the lines between their franchises in these games, like... You can just have Chain Chomp be around. Wow, I didn't even realize that when you were describing it. I thought it was like some cute like Easter egg added for the new remake. That is so weird. <laughs> wow, yeah, I just saw the um, Game Boy version and it was so, it's just strange it, to see. It yeah. is super strange to see and you're just like, what? Um, and then the Chain Chomp is actually like, a he has a use in the game too. So it's like even 
better and more yeah. interesting. Oh. Yeah, it's not he he like yeah, he has plot importance. Oh King Chomp is plot relevant to, <laughs> to the game. That's so weird. That's so funny. Yeah. Wow. It, it's it's so weird and charming and like just like a kind of weird mix of ideas before I think Nintendo entirely knew what a Zelda was. Mm-hmm. And I am like really here for it. And it's like, yeah, I think it's I wouldn't say it's hard. I guess I wanted to say like go back to my statement. It's just more like some of the logic leaps that I would make in any other Zelda game are not here in this one. So honestly, to me, it's like a little more challenging and mm-hmm. just some, some, they do a really good job of kind of obfuscating where you would go next. And I mm-hmm. kind of appreciate that. Yeah. I will say as a kid, I have very, very firm memories of playing this game through with my friend, Emily, and we got stuck in like the second dungeon and it had to call the Nintendo helpline. <gasps> wow. <laughs> uh, and my fr- Emily did it in secret. Like she like took the, the wireless <laughs> phone. The cordless phone. Apparatus. Yeah. yeah, the cordless phone. That's what they were called. <laughs> and like snuck into her bedroom and called them and got the secret and then told me and then later got in trouble because the, it charged service. <gasps> you get charged for calling like by the minute. Uh, and she wasn't on very long, but her dad was like, saw this Nintendo power line yeah. on, on the phone bill and she got in trouble. But I got the secret, so it was fine oh for me. <laughs> wow, you really benefited from this. Yeah. That's like stealing your friend's strategy guide or something <laughs> literally something, kind of, yeah. yeah that's uh it feels like also something you would have done did you ever steal your friend's strategy oh guide? yeah of course oh my god of course i was well always like can i borrow right you game know. burglar <laughs> game whole food salad bar anything i can burgle you really, I do. really <laughs> like to burgle i was walking by whole foods yesterday with my friend and i was like oh whole foods i steal from there and he's like no you don't there's like a song i like and he's like you just got that from the song and i was like no i take samples from the salad bar all the time it's not a sample <laughs> i take free samples as in i'm sampling and it's for free because i'm I not i feel like the audience missed out on some air quotes that chelsea and i benefited from in that sentence <laughs> um okay i have one question getting away from the topic of me stealing food and strategy guides from people um so you obviously played this as a kid yeah chelsea you're playing this as an adult but i've also spoken to other adults who have played it as children who or who played it as children or like you know basically people who represent both parties and what i'm actually hearing from most people i speak to is that they all think this is very kid friendly maybe not in terms of difficulty necessarily but would you agree with the statement like the idea that if this was your first zelda game yeah i think that'd be an awesome first zelda it would be game. a good choice yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm biased because it was my first Zelda game. Yeah, uh, but I think it, I think it totally sets a good energy for for most of the other games. Like it's weird in a way that a lot of the games are weird, but it feels weirder than it is. Mm. Let me untangle what I just said for myself and for you. Uh, I, I feel like because if you've played a dozen Zelda games, you sort of get used to the logic and the characters, and you sort of know what to expect, but. Uh, I feel like because uh, uh, Link's Awakening is so weird, mm-hmm. <laughs> it helps you relive the experience of first playing a Zelda game and being like, what? I can just bomb walls? I can just like yeah. shoot the statue in the eye with a bow and arrow and it'll blink and something will happen? Like it, I think it, even if you are familiar with Zelda, I think it captures that sort of weirdness that I really like about the franchise. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I mean, definitely even just knowing these little Nintendo Easter eggs makes it sound 
incredibly strange. I haven't played a lot of Zelda. Yeah. Um, so my impression, like the one I've put the most time into is Breath of the Wild, which is obviously pretty different from most of the other games. I, I saw um, that Chris Kohler on Kotaku mm-hmm. wrote a good post about like basically this feels like a very logical follow up almost to Breath of the Wild. Say mm-hmm. that was your first Zelda and mm-hmm. then you played this because they're both kind of weird and kind of like breaking the Zelda formula in different ways that it almost feels like a logical follow-up. Also, I think they've added the Guardian music to this game Oh, in certain fights. I just hear it and I'm like, this seems like the Guardian music. I'm This is not confirmed, but this is just my my picking up is like during boss fights, they play the Guardian music and I'm like, <gasps> I haven't noticed that, but I'll keep an ear out. Um, oh. Yeah, it's, it's sound, or something that's composed in a very similar way. Yeah. Um, I definitely want to check it out. It's really, it's really charming and just like really, uh, also, yeah, because you are like a very young version of Link and the writing is super cute. Like you're, you catch a fish and it's like, it's little just like you, but has a lot of fight. And I'm, yeah, yeah. It's so endearing. It's extremely endearing. There are, I mean, also, yeah, there's an animal village. So there's a human village on the island and an animal village. And the animals all say weird stuff. (laughs) Oh, they're so cute. Like, yeah. I just like the writing in this game is so, like, just different than anything else, kind of, I feel like. I really, I really like the grandpa who's too shy to talk in person. So you have to go to the little phone booths around the island and talk to him on the phone. What? That's so cute. It's very good. Oh my god! And his wife, yeah. Granny Yahoo. Yeah, always That's... sweeping. Always sweeping. How <laughs> is she sweeping? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, other than my heart away. Oh my god! It's just That's like, so yeah, the characters in this game are definitely like so memorable and so enjoyable. Yeah. Dang. Well, I need to get on that one. But Chelsea, you're also playing another game that you think you would recommend to me specifically. Yeah, to you specifically. Yes. Which also has very cute characters. So you have never played, correct me, uh, a Shantae game. You don't. No. You don't know anything about these games. Before the show, uh, Jenna and I were trying to figure out how you pronounce Shantae. So no, I have not. <laughs> so this is also this is really interesting. Shantae is a a a video game franchise story about this uh, woman who is a half cheaty. Uh, whose mom was a genie and dad was a human. And like, it's got this overarching story that is from the Game Boy Advance game to now, like to modern times. And this Hmm. company has only like, was originally releasing them very sporadically and is now kind of up to that cadence. Right. Um, So they're a Metroidvania uh, genre, but it's like very, a beautiful, bright, vivid world. You're playing this cute genie woman. I will say, this is like, I don't know how to describe the characters without being like, they're kind of waifus. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's never like, they are dressed like kind of in that, like imagine the genie kind of styling. Like, like kind of Aladdin-y. aladdin Yeah. Yeah, which is not like really authentic or anything, but it is like pulled from that. So you're like, yeah, there's a lot of midriff, but at the same time, they're never sexualized. They're never doing anything weird. So I, I don't feel that uncomfortable with it because I mostly find the drawing kind of cute. Yeah. But like, I will say there's definitely part of the internet who's probably weird about it. <laughs> <laughs> as per, as per usual. Um, so this is like, 
Um, I, I find them like really charming Metroidvania games because they're really light. They're not extremely challenging, but they're just enough puzzle and challenge to be like, I'm engaged and kind of having a really nice time. There's a lot of twists and turns. There's like cute little zombies and lots of things on these tropical islands that you're exploring. So this new one, uh, which is also part of the Apple Arcade. Yeah. It threw me because I was like, oh, a new Shantae game. It's literally a full console level game or the wow. first half of it that is on an Apple device. Oh. I tried to play it with touch controls and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this has got like five buttons on this side. Like I can't do that. What? So the the cool part is that because you're a half genie, you through the game get these different things that allow you to turn into animals so you can get different powers to solve like environmental puzzles. Mm-hmm. And you're also doing platforming and boss fighting and you're like fighting pirates. And I fought this like cool sea siren that was covered in seaweed and was like dancing around. And I had to move her into like under a light so that her like, you know, boss weak zone would be exposed basically. Like because she was like getting uh, like exposed by the chlorophyll. Does that make any sense? Yeah, kind (laughs) of. I guess so. Yeah, a little confusing. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, but it's more like it is a very charming, I think, like overlooked series of games that are like, if you were like, oh, I really want to light, I like Metroidvanias, maybe I don't want something as hard as Hollow, Hollow Knight or something, <laughs> or like, this is really a good series and it's it's free right now on Apple Arcade. And I just hooked up an Xbox controller oh. to play it. So it's like included in the subscription. Yeah. Okay, wow. So have you played like a bunch of the other Shantae games too? I played one of them and then seen Sean play another one of them. Mm-hmm. And so I played one of them to completion. I like liked it so much. Mm. Uh, I've, I've only ever seen it in a speed running context. So it's because Metrovanias are like really good to speed run. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it seems like it would be a really good game to speed run. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I think it is like, oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. They're like something really charming about like, the whole aesthetic of this like very cute characters that are interacting with each other. So yeah, um, it, I played about five hours of it and I'm like, oh, I want to play more. And oh, I, wow. I think you would like it. Yeah, I mean, I've never been a big Metroidvania person because Metroid is hard. <laughs> uh, and I am always like, where do I go? I, I thought I was supposed to go from left to right. But I do like anything cute. Yeah. And I've always been intrigued, especially because this is like, platforming yeah I say platforming <laughs> um, but yeah I've definitely heard like a lot of platformer comparisons as well um, and not just like oh it's like a metroidvania so that aspect of it is definitely endearing to me and I know it's on like Nintendo consoles yes it, and it feels like a Nintendo game also like uh, she's kind of also the stereotype of a hungry anime girl because every time she eats food in the game, she makes like the most like <laughs> sounds, and I'm like very he- here for that healing animation or like that healing noise. Yeah. So no, it's just like uh, it. It feels like it's something that has put a lot of of effort and charm into, it, and I'm like here for it. Aw, I love a charming game. Uh-huh. I love to be charmed. Oh yeah. uh, well, thank you, Chelsea. I'm excited. I like hearing your Apple Arcade like updates every week because it really just speaks to the fact there's so much freaking stuff on this thing and you honestly are so close to convincing me to get it (laughs) but like but not yet ooh, not Not quite there they added a new game this weekend that i have not played but it's from neku atsumi's creators (gasps) what is it a cat game (laughs) no it's a starring a goth girl (gasps) oh no (laughs) 
targeted content. <laughs> oh my god, Jenna and I gasped. It's just starring a goth girl with a broken heart. <gasps> oh um, my god. No, I need to play it. Yeah. Oh. Okay, well thank you. This is this is how you get me freaking freaking Shantae, Adventure Time, whatever, all that stuff is just extras. I mean, if you give me a second, I'll even tell you the name of the goth girl broken heart game. It's uh, It looks good. It's by... I, had to, I, have, I don't have an iPhone. I do have a, a touch oh. iPod to touch. Oh my God. <laughs> I pulled out of a drawer and recharged so that I could try Apple Arcade, but I haven't broken down yet. It, does it work on that I iPod touch? I don't know. Because <laughs> old. Other... Enough. They don't make. I don't believe they make iPod touches anymore. No. Wow, they haven't for a bit. I think no, they still do because Apple do hit they? me up and they were like, "Hey, do you want to talk about this as a gaming thing?" And before yeah. I was like, "I don't know, no." But now mobile games are apparently back, and oh. it's like so weird. Dang, fingers crossed for you then, Jenna. I'm hoping. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so hit points is yes. the game. All right, okay. so is let the me developer. is the developer. So this is called Nightmare Farm. I'm going to read you this description, Allegra, because it is so you. Oh my god. A girl god. with a wounded heart waters the city alone. She continues to walk while being in tatters physically and mentally and eventually found <gasps> herself on a mysterious farm. Meeting with unique friends and being touched by their kindness ultimately helps heal the girl's wounded heart. That is so me. <laughs> I don't. I do that. that is the PR description that we were sent by Apple. <laughs> so so you need to play this game. Wow. Okay. You sold me. Freaking. That's it. That's it. I'm done. I will buy that game for 20 bucks. I mean, the, th- <laughs> the thing about Apple Arcade games is you can only get them if you pay $5 a month. They're not available otherwise, which is crazy. This is not an ad for. It's not for a for Apple Arcade. Yeah, Sorry, this Chelsea. is to clarify. Sorry, my intonation. Were, uh, <laughs> you only need to pay five dollars. No, month. and I'm not getting any money for this. But <laughs> I will just, just a say good platform. But it, it is a good platform. But also, I do the the flip side of that. That's kind of fucked up. Is like if you stop paying five dollars a month, you lose your sad girl, your right. sad goth girl. She just disappears. <laughs> so. do, I, do I want to? basically have a like a religious relationship to this girl where I'm offering her a tithe every month for the rest of my oh, life. Like shoot. <laughs> how does this work? But you can also what play Sonic for? Racing. Oh okay. I do like Sonic. Okay, well, uh, I think I'm gonna throw to an ad break right now. So we are gonna go to an ad and we'll be other than the one Chelsea just made, we're gonna go to a real <laughs> ad from people who do sponsor us. <laughs> and we will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back from the real ads. Chelsea read them, just so happens, but <laughs> let us make it clear that was an ad and not the other stuff about Apple. Anyways, so, <laughs> anyways, I'm turning away from you now. And I'm turning toward Jenna. <laughs> away from the light of God towards <laughs> Jenna. <laughs> toward Jenna on the other side of the room, the other side of the light. Jenna, you are playing 
Man of Medan right now. The Dark Pictures Anthology Man of Medan. Yes. Thank you for giving us that full (laughs) unwieldy title. Uh, Overburdened title. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, So I've been told uh, by Polygon's own cast that it's a very good game to play with people. And in fact, I've played Until Dawn, which is the other game by Mm -hmm. by this group. Uh, I think Supermassive. Yeah. and really enjoyed playing that as a group because it just really adds to the experience. So we played through the first half of Man of Adan, and we are going to play through the next half next week. Um, but I'm really enjoying it so far. I think it's even spookier and better than Until Dawn. Really? How yeah. many people are you playing with? Uh, so you five people. There are five characters you can play through. Ooh, so you're using all five Yes. Well, so yeah, and y- yeah. So and we we set it up. It has like a mode specifically for playing with friends. Okay. Where uh, it it will like you program in your names and program in which characters you're playing. And so it's a group of four that are playing. So one person is double dipping, but it'll like prompt you when it's time to pass the controller, which is really nice. That's so cool. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. I think it really helps. Yeah. They probably realize that people are playing on Tilt on that way. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And it is cool that it's like everyone has a character. Yeah. And you kind of take ownership over making sure they don't die. Yeah. What is the, okay. I played a demo of this, which I'll mention later, I guess briefly, but, um, um, what is the exact premise again? It's a bunch of people on like a ship that crashes. Yeah, basically you and your friends and the captain whose boat you're chartered are going out because you got a tip of where to find a cool sunken like World War II plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you go and find it and then basically you discover uh, another map in the plane to uh, the site of a sunken ship. And you go to that ship things outside of your control happen to send you to the ship. Mm -hmm. Spoopy Uh, activities. Yes, spoopy activities send you to the ship. And then more spoopy activities happen on the ship because it's a horror game. (laughs) (laughs) She Uh, says grinning. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, And we are not totally certain what's happening yet there are things that indicate like maybe vampires or maybe ghosts or maybe like hallucinogenic gas or <laughs> yeah wow, I, I like that the mystery is not obvious all yes. over the place vampires or ghosts or drugs <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah until, until dawn was kind of that way too where it was trying to take a lot of bites out of the apple mm-hmm. uh and i i'm hoping that man of medan I'm hoping there is like one specific thing that it is and that that is revealed to you, Um, but it hasn't yet. I will say a lot more better and more effective jump scares. (laughs) Oh, that was definitely a thing in Until Dawn that I found very unsatisfying. Yeah, not enough jump scares? Yeah, I felt like, I mean, I... I Are you go. sure? <laughs> what? You thought there were a lot? I mean, I'm a baby. So yeah, that's <laughs> we've discussed how I am a baby. But mm-hmm. until dawn specifically, there's that one where the ghost pops up when you open the the room. And I had recently been traumatized by PT. And I was playing that at a <laughs> oh, New yes. York Comic Con demo. <laughs> Did you scream? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I screamed in a public place. Oh, my God. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think my threshold is definitely higher than yours. Probably not as high as yours, Jenna, but I didn't find it that scary until dawn. Yeah, I think it has its moments, but Mm -hmm. I think it also has a lot of moments where it's 
underwhelming a little bit. And I mean, part of that is just because it's a game and you have control over what happens. So mm-hmm, yeah. if you choose a good option and it's not scary, congrats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> um, whereas I feel like Man of Medan has more, there are more atmospheric choices that make it just like, like, I don't want to get too deep into it because this is so good. But there is like a presence that follows you along the ship and it. I don't know if there are moments where we missed seeing it, but there are moments where because of how the camera is, you only get to see that presence for like two frames before it switches to the next scene. Uh, And the first time we saw saw it, like half of the room saw it and we were like, oh, no. Uh, and we ended up, because uh, we were playing on a PS4, saving the footage and then going back and rewatching it so that we could <laughs> confirm for the other half of the room that, in fact, there was Ghost. <gasps> oh, my God. Wow, that this is, is oh, I'm, like, very, yeah, I actually really want to do that. that you was, want to? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, like, I love, <laughs> yeah. that stuff is fun because you're like, oh, yes, there was a freaky thing there. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's like when we watch Hereditary with Jenna. <laughs> Simone and I did. Yes. And we were like, oh, we're like, oh, no, all the people in the background. Ah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Just for clarity. So I watch we watched I've seen Hereditary, obviously, but Chelsea, Simone and uh, Emily Heller, who's also a polygoner, hadn't seen it. So we sat down and watched it together. And that was really fun for me. <laughs> for you. I don't know how how the rest of y'all felt. I I'm trying still to get Sean to watch Hereditary. Yes. He was like, absolutely not. Get that out of my house. That movie's scary. <laughs> it's on Amazon it's now so for good. free, by the way. Uh, Amazon ooh. Prime. So, yeah. I love that movie. I really liked it. It was uh, totally freaky, but yeah. I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed how surprising it was. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like also the, the Babadook has moments like that where it's, it, there are innocuous things in the background that are easy to miss, which makes it more fun to watch or play with other people because you can yeah. be like, hey, did you see that? Uh, <laughs> hey, did you see that? Did you see that thing in the background? It's so fun. That's the thing I think that scares me the most. Like, or maybe not the most, but those are things that really freak me out. Like those, what you're describing of like the split second frame mm-hmm. where like maybe it's there, maybe it's not. Oh, I just like to know. That's, yeah. That's you know? the kind of horror stuff that I agree that I, but it, it doesn't, that's the kind of horror stuff that fascinates me the more that yeah. scares me where it's like, I'm like, that is doing horror well. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm investigating, like I'm interested in the investigation more and it jump scares me less versus something that's like popping up like a carnival ride, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's something that we've seen because I, like modern horror movies have faced such a backlash against jump scares. Like I love a jump scare. I'm here to be spooked. Please spook me any way you can. <laughs> um, so I love a jump scare, but a lot of people don't because I, I think they feel like it robs them of like their comfort if they know that a jump scare is coming by. Yeah. Like it, I just, it, people really don't like them, which I, I get. Uh, but I feel like this this sort of integrating the spookiness into the background without drawing attention to it is like the the solution to jump scares that modern horror movies have sort of created. Yeah. Uh, and I like them. It, again, because it's, it's almost like putting the onus of the jump scare on the audience, where yeah. it's up to you to notice that and get terrified. And if you're watching with other people, make them terrified mm-hmm. of what they haven't seen. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting way of putting it, for sure. It is much... It's a more insidious kind of way to do that, for sure. <laughs> insidious is also an okay horror movie. <laughs> it's more like Insidious. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen Insidious. Um, well, cool. I I loved Until Dawn, and I like that this is like multiplayer in yeah. more of an explicit sense. 
Chelsea, Perfect we should try movie. it. Yeah. Perfect for a horror movie. We should do it, Chelsea. We, I, I yeah. played a little demo at PAX, and I, I think it was really, it must have been an early build or something, because it was janky AF. And it was like, there was no context, which probably is to mm. avoid spoilers. Like, they had a very brief, like, last time on Man of Medan. <laughs> and I was like, what was last time? And, like, it ran through, I guess, the original, like, ship crash thing but then otherwise I was like I don't even know these people's names what is happening so <laughs> I, I mean like, that, I don't care I just don't think that's a good type of game to demo because no. it's like they, they're they wanting to show off the mechanics and for someone like you specifically who I think is like I need story to care yeah it didn't work also like neither Until Dawn nor Man of Medan are games that you play for the mechanics. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. It's like I don't need to figure out how this plays. Like that's not the point no, here. No, it's quick time events. And I'll say Man of Medan does play a lot like Until Dawn. I think it's a little less punishing. Until it Dawn feels more fun. Until Dawn was but punishing because you could do everything right, but you mess up one crucial thing and your head literally is cut off. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. not untrue for Man of Medan. Oh my God. Uh, but it does, it feels like it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel quite as burdensome as Until Dawn. I think it's better. Yeah. That makes me nervous to be, play this with friends because I don't want to be like, I'm the person who died first, and now I just have to watch you all play. <laughs> uh, that's you should play. Yeah, play with three friends, and then you've got extra characters for when one of y'all dies. <laughs> yeah, just yes, that sounds perfect. Yeah, we need maybe the two of us should just play together because then we'll have lots of extra, and then we'll do great. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. I'm ex- I'm excited. I really want to play this game too. Like I really loved Until Dawn. So yes, yay. Okay, cool. Jenna, what? Just short question because you are a horror expert. What yeah. what should we what are you watching right now to prepare for Halloween? Everything. Oh. Great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jenna. <laughs> uh yeah, I've been watching like a ton of the Netflix horror uh movies. because uh, they always add a bunch more and like swap them out for especially for October. So I've been going through and watching all the best movies, and we've got an article that covers all of the best movies that are on Netflix for horror right now on our website, polygon.com. Uh, but I think the ones that I would recommend most from that list, uh, I would have three that I would recommend the most. One is The Autopsy of Jane Doe, um, which is a very good, I mean, it is exactly what it says it is. <laughs> it's a, a movie about an autopsy of a, an anonymous body that's found, but it really does a great job of like, layering on the mystery about like what is happening. Uh, and it's got very good effects. Uh, mm. It is goresome. There's a lot of body horror because it's an autopsy. Yep, sorry. Uh, If you're looking for something that's not quite as gory, then I would recommend either The Endless or Headcount. And The Endless is like a very like Lovecraftian inspired but not based on cosmic horror-y movie that also does like a really good job slowly unfolding what is possibly going on. I love, I, I do love cosmic horror minus racism, oh. so yes. Minus yes. racism. Yeah, a hard one to find downstream of Lovecraft, <laughs> but I think this does a really good job of being spooky, but not being gross. I love that. Yeah, it's about these two brothers who like escaped a UFO cult, uh, and then receive a video from that cult suggesting that they're going to commit mass suicide. And so they go back and be like, hey, guys, still alive? Um, and oh it's, really, it's really awkward, but it's it's really, um, they do a really good job of setting up this 
Yes. Okay. Really cool thing that's happening. Uh, and then Headcount is also, it's not quite cosmic horror, but it is like a good, weird creature feature about like this kid who meets this girl and court, sort of like hangs out with her friend group for a weekend. And he keeps insisting that there is another person in this group of strangers. And they're all like, no, it's just us. And he's like, no, there's somebody else here. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it does just some really interesting things with like atmosphere and like, is there another person here? Where are they? What's happening? What? It's very good. Ugh, that gave me shivers just hearing yeah. you describe it. It, it good. It good. It good. It's spooky. It sounds like what you were saying about the quick frame in Man of Medan. Yeah. For a whole movie. <laughs> yeah. It kind of, yeah, it is. It's the same energy where there's not like really any jump scares. It's just like the knowledge that anybody you're looking at might not be the person you're looking at. Ah! <laughs> I'm not looking at either of you anymore. <laughs> Terrible. You're going to look up and we're both going to be Chelsea. I know. <laughs> and you will be lucky. <laughs> but that actually reminds me again of PT, my favorite horror media, because there's that. Sp- terrifying line and then that spooky bag says it to you again it's like the only me is me but are you sure the only you is you yes I love that and line. I was like that's the that's the, like the concept the concept of that gave me nightmares I love PT but this is all making me want to throw up and just be done <laughs> alright well tis the season to indulge tis the season to indulge and throw up yeah speaking I'm gonna of, watch my freaking great pumpkin Charlie Brown alright speaking of throw up I needed to get that tangent out god wonderful speaking wonderful Tell me about Joker. Um, <laughs> trying to think if it is actually there's any vomit in it. There probably is. But I'm going to throw to a quick ad break. But before we do that, before we get into your question and my answer, uh, spoiler warning, uh, we will talk about some spoilies uh, for both of you as well, because neither of you have seen it. Just mm-hmm. me. But I do not care. So but you do not care. Jelani, have you seen it? Nope. Sorry. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> wow. Okay, y'all. <laughs> That's fine. Nobody wants to see this movie. Well, I'll see if I can change your mind. I won't. So anyway, we're going (laughs) to, just as a warning to you guys who do care, if there are any of you out there, there will be spoilers after this ad break. And we are back from that ad. Thank you again, Chelsea, our spokeswoman today. Um, All right, Joker. Again, spoiler warning. If you missed that before, I said it a billion times, but spoiler warning. So Joker, I saw it last week. And it was actually especially an, an interesting screening because Todd Phillips, the director, Ooh. was there. Uh, thanks to the Writers Guild of America East, they brought him and the co-writer, Scott Silver, to talk about the movie afterward. So it was interesting to get his context and I think especially needed because the thing that I keep talking about with people who have seen it or have not seen it is like, is this movie irresponsible? That's sort of been that was sort of like the controversy and hysteria in part before the movie, right? Like people were saying, "Oh, it's gonna make everybody into incels, and people are gonna kill each other." I don't know why I did that accent. <laughs> what? what? People are Is that what people on the internet think? Yeah, you that's think, you think they, that's your internet accent. That's my like anxious critic voice, <laughs> and the people are gonna kill each other. And um, I will say, I didn't see any. Cri- I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying that. I didn't see any actual critics being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's there's the the critical discourse, and then there's Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, some overlap, but very rarely is there actually. But yeah, so there were people. Critics were mostly saying like this movie is basically vapid, um, <laughs> like it's trying to 
be very meaningful, but it doesn't exactly know about what it is trying to mean. Mm. And so I my thinking going in was like, okay, I want to understand coming out. Like, was this irresponsible? Like, does this encourage incels or alt-right or white supremacist people Mm. or leaning people? Uh, And also, like, what is the overarching goal if it's not that? (laughs) I assume it was, you know, I didn't think that the point here was to make people incels. So so just to, like, kind of refresh before we dive in. Yeah. It is the origin story of the Joker trying to make him a sympathetic character to understand why he's so jokery twisted twisted Twisted. yeah well i guess that's also part of the argument of whether or not he's sympathetic here but yes essentially but but like that his perspective that could be like the the cliff's notes yes that is yes that's exactly it it's standalone as well so it's like in the dc universe but it's not connected to any of those movies i thought dc didn't actually put say it was in the dc universe right (laughs) yeah i've read like both but everyone's just saying it's not even related to any of those movies anyway. So, like, yes. for intents and purposes. Um, yeah. So, Joaquin Phoenix is Arthur Fleck, who's the Joker. And it's, like, the 70s Gotham. But it's so New York, y'all. It's, like, <laughs> Bronx. Like, you, it's recognizable. They're on William Street at some yeah. point, which is down in Financial District. And, um, like, just a lot of recognizable places. Uh, so that was like kind of wacky because it made it feel more realistic to me mm. where I was like, oh, this is a New Yorker who has like some mental health issues and now is going to blow up New York like the Avengers did, except he's bad. Um, so Arthur Fleck, uh, Joaquin Phoenix was so good. Like Joaquin Phoenix was so good because he made this guy into this really horrifying, disfigured shell of a man who just like wants to bring laughter and joy to the world. That's what he keeps saying. He's like, my mom said I was put on this earth to bring laughter and joy to people, which is like when he says that, that's where I can see people being like, this is a sympathetic character because you're like, oh, that's so nice. Your mom told you, but everyone hates you, but you just want to make them laugh. So when he kept saying that, I was like, shoot, like, I'm feeling bad for this dude. Like, there were so many moments where I was like, I feel bad for this dude. And I know I shouldn't. But the beginning of the movie is, like, very good at making you want to, like, pet him on the head. Because it's, like, Joaquin Phoenix, who's super in the character. Like, he has this problem where he just laughs all the time. And so he'll be on, like, a bus. It's really creepy. (laughs) He's on a bus and he had a horrible day at work. And then there's a little kid sitting in front of him and, like, looking at him. And then he's, like making faces at the kid and the kid's laughing and it's like, oh, nice. He's having a positive interaction with a human. But then the kid's mom is like, don't look at my kid. And like turns the kid around and he's like, but I I was just, she's like, don't look at my kid. And then he starts laughing uncontrollably because of his condition. And it's like, oh, this is so awkward. I feel bad. But I got mad at myself for feeling bad, right? Because I knew, like, we know how the story's going to end. Yeah. He's going to be the Joker. I mean, that sounds like compelling cinema. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it's interesting because, yes, we know that we're going to go from this sad sack to, like, evil mastermind. But the thing that I think is a big failure on this movie's part is... The whole way through, even as he's becoming the evil mastermind, there's still moments where it's like, baby, like, yeah, okay, shoot those people. Oh, no. You know, which is really bad. So why does he eventually become bad? Yes. Yeah. Is there a moment where there's a turn? Yeah. It's sort of like slow, but I think there's like 
a pretty clear like series of events. So uh, in the beginning, like I mean, his life is always terrible. But what happens is someone that he works with, he works as like a clown for hire. And I hate clowns. So already I was like, <laughs> this is scary. Um, someone he works with after finding out he got like beaten up and robbed by some people while working was like, OK, you got to protect yourself, my dude, and gives him a gun. <laughs> and that's honestly like freaking the smoking gun, like <laughs> Chekhov's gun that goes off really soon. <laughs> So, like, there's a really funny scene where he goes to this hospital he's hired to, like, entertain the kids at, and he's actually doing a good job. But for some reason, he has the gun on him, and it just comes, it fall, falls out of his costume, and everyone's like, why is there a loaded gun in your costume? Okay. Well, that's a choice. <laughs> that's a choice that he's made that's a bad choice. Oh, my God. It's really funny. But, yeah, so he has this gun, and then... Basically, now he can retaliate against his abusers, so he shoots them. Um, there are some people that are like beating him up again, and he shoots them and kills them, and it's really gruesome and gross. And then he's just like, hmm, that felt good. Okay. And so it's like, now you're a dude who, like, when you're mad, this is what you can use. Like, you have literally a weapon. And it's just kind of like, okay, as things get increasingly bad, like people are making fun of him more and more, he just gets even angrier and really wants to like get vengeance. It's a little more nuanced than this, but it really is like, okay, now I am enabled to get vengeance. Hmm. But it's like sad because, oh, his mom is sick, but then you find out his mom was abusive and his girlfriend like turns out to not be his girlfriend. It was all in his mind and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> So it's like all this stuff where it's like, mm, but then you know in the back of your head, but you shouldn't be reacting this way of like wanting to kill people and like there's something, you're having delusions and it's just like very troubling because I, like I was sitting there feeling disturbed because I was like, I don't like that I'm feeling bad for this person. Hmm. Like I should not be feeling bad for this bad person. Do you, I don't necessarily want to, ask about I'm gonna uh, ask about the director's intention mm -hmm. but since the director was there at the screening you went to like do you get the impression that that's part of the disturbingness of the experience is like here's I mean like I'm thinking about like Psycho like here's the sad sack who's also very yeah. violent um, but you're not supposed to come out of Psycho empathetic but part of the disturbing thing of Psycho is that sort of balance between this ma sweet mama's boy yeah. and the actual murder some boy that he really is. <laughs> murder some boy. Murder some boy. Yeah so it was interesting they asked like softball questions because he was like I don't want to talk about how this is about incels anymore um, but they did ask one question that's sort of along those lines of um God, I don't even remember what the question was, but his answer was about this. He was like, you know, we wanted to at least start like start him off so he's not totally deplorable. But did we make him a little too sympathetic? Yeah, maybe we did. But we think it's OK. Like, yeah, maybe we went a little too far in the sympathetic direction, but it's probably fine. Like they really just wanted to tell this story and they didn't want it to be devoid of like emotion or humor. But they didn't strike that balance very well because as it builds, it just gets like grosser and grosser. But you're never detached enough from the sky to ever really see it objectively. Like we're always so closely aligned with the Joker, Arthur Fleck, that we can never really step out of his perspective and see like, oh, yeah, no, you are a, you're like a shit. 
like you're a shit person. <laughs> and it's not just that you're unwell and like welfare is being cut and all that stuff. It's also just like you are a bad person with no morals. <laughs> hmm. um, but I think like that's a part of it, too, is um, one of the inciting incidents is that they cut his uh, welfare. Like there's a social welfare system that's defunded and it kind of. That plus some other stuff going on in the city leads to an uprising, like a sort of classist uprising against the rich people. So I can also see Todd Phillips and crew thinking this is like a movie about classism and like the poor, like the rich will try to inherit the earth and the poor will stop them. Is is the violence that the Joker is enacting against individuals or is it against like a systemic presence? Like, is he attacking banks? Yeah, or no. is he attacking bankers? What a wonderful way to phrase that question. Well, because this it's is the very thing. Is that, true. Yeah, I mean, because if you if you try to justify a, a story or a moral because it's against systemic problems like uh, our miserable approach to mental illness, yeah. in this country in our healthcare system, okay. But if you're enacting that violence against individuals, then it's not actually about those systemic issues. It's about small person trying to make themselves feel big by enacting violence against individuals. Like, that's what abuse is, essentially. It literally, like, it is literally that latter explanation there. It is, like, the bankers instead of the bank. Yeah, I don't don't feel like he has to, Arthur has to turn to camera and and say anything. Like, it doesn't have to be so obvious or hit us on the head, but I feel like it sounds like this movie is missing kind of any connection to bigger themes. Yeah, exactly. Like, Exactly what Jenna just said of like the idea of, you know, confronting the system versus just being abusive essentially (laughs) in a way of making yourself feel better versus trying to do something that you can tell yourself is like towards societal change. Like, yeah, the issue here, someone could say, is this classist notion of my welfare was cut and now I'm angry. It wasn't that. It was really just like what you're saying, Chelsea, of. He was shooting people who were making him mad. Like, hmm. you know, it was not clear. It was sort of muddled of like, what is your actual intention here? He really just shot like people that had sort of wronged him, but had nothing to do with the issues mm-hmm. of like, I need my medication and can't get it anymore. I mean, that and that's yeah, again, that's classic abuser yeah. <laughs> technique is like uh, claiming that there is a, a larger structure that you're fighting against, but then just attacking individuals. Yeah. And literally, this is like the big spoiler I'll give you guys. So at the very end of the movie, which is when this would have been like the moment, I think, to really establish his goal here. um, He goes on this talk show. Robert De Niro's in it as like a talk show host. (laughs) He goes on this talk show and the talk show host had made fun of him. It's like a weird moment. The talk show host had like made fun of his comedy act. And then was he this was like, like a public access talk show. I know it's weird. It's weird. It's like supposed to be like Johnny Carson. Basically, it's hmm. it's weird. I'm like, this is a nobody. But OK, so he invites Arthur onto the show. And this is when Arthur has completely gone off the rails. So he's like, can you call me Joker? Like he's in the Joker costume. He has his gun. You can tell there's not, this guy's not well. But Robert De Niro is still like, okay, yeah, come on our show. (laughs) And the whole plan is he's going to go on the show, look at the TV and basically state his case of like, I hate how people treat me or you could say, like, if this were a more responsible movie, I hate how people don't care about people with mental illness, whatever. 
But instead, it's very much like, this world is terrible and everybody's mean to me and you made fun of me. And he looks at the camera at one point and he's like, um, what do you get? Like, he's like, knock, knock, who's there or something. He makes like a joke. He's like, what do you get when you have a mental, mentally unwell person and a society that doesn't care about them? You get this. And then he shoots the guy in the face. But before that, he's like, you were mean to me. I don't like you. I just wanted you to like me. I want your show, like things like that. Hmm. And then he tries to justify it as like, this is what happens when mental illness is ignored. And it's like, you can't, that's not what happens though. That's not what happens. But I mean, like there's a difference between being mentally ill and mm-hmm. deserving things that are like thinking you deserve things that you don't. Yeah, exactly. And like, <laughs> that's not the same and equating them like yes you shouldn't be mean to people but that doesn't mean they deserve a talk show like <laughs> exactly <laughs> or they deserve to like be around children like yeah uh, I, I don't think that those two equate exactly yeah. yes exactly it's like just because your mom said you're supposed to bring laughter and joy to the world which actually still makes me emotional thank you <laughs> like, no. like, so um, other than your mom like just because your mom said that doesn't mean you get to like go to a hospital dressed as a clown with your gun like <laughs> you don't get to do that actually with your gun we live in a society yeah (laughs) so that's like at the very very end where it's like this is the time to really state the thesis it's like your last time and you bungled it and then the joker he ends up getting arrested and being committed to arkham asylum classic yeah but it ends on like a funny note the movie ends with like they're playing um some song i forget it might be send in the clowns but it's like some kind of goofy uplifting song (laughs) and then in slow motion you see the joker like being chased by a guard who's like oh go back to your room how'd you get out and then you see him coming back down the hallway the other way chasing the guard and then you see him yeah literally (laughs) and then he comes back down the hallway and he has bloody footprints what so he killed the guard probably because there's like yeah. blood on him now. He's the Joker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, Man. haha, that was a funny Benny. Yeah, like it literally should have Benny Hill music on it. <laughs> Grim, weird. Yeah. I, man. Yeah, I feel like I've heard so much and such a variety of things about this movie that like I'm pretty apathetic, but I also feel like I should see it just so that I can come away with my own understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. But I don't want to give anyone money. I don't want to give Warner Brothers money and reward them for this. <laughs> yeah. I want to save my money for Birds of Prey. Word. Mm, yeah, that's fair. Or like Wonder Woman 2 or something. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I saw it for free, so I don't feel that bad. <laughs> but I agree. I mean, you're, you're WGA dude. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. My duties paid for it. But it's okay. Um, yeah, I would say it's really interesting and it's been fun to be able to talk about it with people uh like other people have seen it but also i like talking to people who like have know some of the discourse too but otherwise yeah i I would never want to watch it again Mm -hmm. i wouldn't recommend like seeing it in theater i was so uncomfortable like susanna Mm -hmm. from polygon was sitting next to me and she could tell like i had my head (laughs) in my hands and she kept like rubbing my knee and she's like it's okay it's gonna be over soon. And I was like, I feel so sick. This is so uncomfortable. Oh man! So it sounds Ugh. really like viscerally disturbing. Yes, huh. it is Sorry. visceral. I, I, Can I, I, I? Let me ask because I haven't gotten a good. I haven't read anything that really gives a good point on this. Mm-hmm. M- moral issues aside, of which it sounds overburdened, uh, is it a good movie? 
Like, is it well crafted? Does there's some? Well, Walking Phoenix again is amazing, so right. that's good. Okay. The writing is no bueno. <laughs> I would say. What about cinematography? <laughs> yeah, in terms of the actual art of it and the formal aspects, I would say it's like a good movie to look at. Okay. Like, I think it's like. If it were not about what it's about, but it looked the same, you know, I would be like, okay, yeah, this is like, there's some interestingly composed shots and the cinematography, like there's an interesting color palette, which is really just like dark greens and stuff, but it gets darker as it goes along versus the talk show is very bright. So that contrast is interesting. Like, I think it's like a fairly well made film on that level, Um, like a technical level and acting with. Joaquin Phoenix only. Everyone else is bad. Um, (laughs) Even Robert De Niro? Yeah, he like was on the fucking phone calling in, I think, like from his hot tub. I did not think he was very good. But I think he did his most with the script. Yeah, But um, yeah, I think it's like I was going to say watch it on a plane. Don't do that. That's upsetting. You literally can't go anywhere. (laughs) I would say watch it on Netflix or something. Okay. Have but, it on in the background while you're yeah, doing something. Yeah, I want Joaquin Phoenix to get an Oscar nomination for it, though. Oh, wow. Okay. He was very good. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing that people have been saying good about the movie. That was a great sentence <laughs> I just said. The thing that they say good. <laughs> the good thing they say is that he he do good. Yeah, he did good. He did do good. <laughs> good job, Joaquin. <laughs> good job, Joaquin. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's Joker. That's all everything you need to know. Hmm. Didn't think to ask or want to ask, and now never will ask again. I like you don't care. I like all the meme compil- meme compilations of Joker laughing like other people, like Seth Rogen oh, yeah, and the anime, anime girl. girl yeah. Oh yeah. I also like I've been seeing like recut versions of the trailer set to different songs. Like there was one with the Evangelion. Yes. <laughs> intro. I mean uh-huh. everything set to. Cruel Angel's thesis is very good. Rocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. So once I found that, though, I was like, yo, we're set for life now. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think that is our show today. Thank you, Chelsea, for sticking sticking with it, even though you feel sick. Thank you for staying away from me because huh. I don't want to get sick. Wow. Uh, and Jenna, thank you for coming out and being great. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a delight to talk to you two. And even more so when there are cameras in front of our faces. Our uh, microphones. (laughs) Microphones. I'm so used to being in video. I know. (laughs) I was like, where are the cameras, Jenna? (laughs) Cameras. Um, Yes. No, it is always. It's always a pleasure. And thank you guys again for listening. We're conducting an audience survey, by the way, to uh, basically find out what you like about podcasts at Vox Media. So if you would just take a couple minutes and fill it out and let us know what you like about the Polygon Show or any of the other podcasts. We have the Vergecast and uh, the Weeds and uh, some other stuff that I don't remember the names of. You'll go and take the survey and you'll tell them what you like. It's voxmedia.com slash pod survey, P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y. Also go on Apple Podcasts and leave us some reviews and stuff. Go on uh, Spotify and follow or something. Uh, (laughs) Just uh, listen to the show. If you're listening, you probably know how to listen to the show. So keep doing that. Okay, thanks.